0: As I thought about this morning and that announcement and our time together and, you know, with it being the beginning of the year, first time we've been together in 2024, um, I thought that, you know, it would be a good time, an appropriate way to start the year by just reminding ourselves of some of the core fundamental things that make us who we are as Vineyard, as Jesus followers, uh, because you know, this is a big thing that we're a part of. I mean, the church, the kingdom of God coming into the world, that's a really big vision for what God's up to on this planet. Do you realize that? And, and so, you know, we're going to have a Sunday later this month that's devoted to kind of vision casting for 2024. Uh, I can't remember if Josh said in the announcements, but when Van is with us for that Holy Spirit night, he is actually also going to preach the next Sunday morning, so we're really looking forward to having Van on Sunday as well. Um, don't don't come to one and skip the other. You have to double dip that weekend. It's going to be really good. Um, you know, I believe that the message of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, is really central. It's it's the central message of the Bible. The message of the kingdom is the central message of the Bible. I believe Jesus' message. And ministry was focused on the in-breaking of the kingdom of God. The future kingdom of God breaking backwards into the present. And when a movement makes the main thing the main thing, I think it's going to be pretty good. That's why I love the vineyard so much, because I think think the vineyard has done a really effective job of making the main thing the main thing. And so what we want to talk about this morning is The main thing, you know, the message of the kingdom is big enough to encompass all of the things that we care about. We want to see people come to know Jesus that fits into the kingdom. We want to see, you know, we want to see ministry to the poor that fits into the kingdom. We want to see racial reconciliation that fits into the kingdom. We want to see people's bodies get supernaturally healed. That fits into the kingdom. And what we can't afford to do is we can't afford to reduce the message of Jesus down to something less than the kingdom. Does that make sense? It all fits into the kingdom. But if if we are thinking that Jesus is about something smaller than the kingdom, then we'll actually miss a lot of what God's up to in the world. I heard Rich Nathan say one time, I think this is really good, We believe that the center of the message of Jesus is to reconcile people to God. So think about a circle. The center is to reconcile people to God. But the circumference is the restoration of all things. Isn't that profound? That at the very center of the message of Jesus, it is about us coming into the kingdom, having a personal relationship with God, knowing who God is. But the circumference is of the message of the kingdom is the restoration of all things so it's not just about you and i it's actually about god restoring the whole universe and humankind is the crown jewel of that creation isn't that a beautiful way to think about it see the way that we understand what god's up to in the world has to be big it has to be big this might provoke you a little bit but i just want to give you a thought many of us have been taught at some point a version of the gospel that sounds something like this jesus died on the cross so that i can have my sins forgiven so that when i die i will go to heaven have you ever heard the gospel sound a little bit like that i think we've got a slide jesus died on the cross so that i can have my sins forgiven So that when I die, I will go to heaven. Now, what I want to say before I say anything else is that that's true. That's absolutely true. But when Jesus talked about the gospel, he talked about the kingdom of God. When Jesus preached the gospel, when we read in the four gospels, the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they wrote their books and Jesus preaches the gospel, It actually sounds more like Mark chapter 1. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, do you hear the slight shift in that? Because the first one is about me, 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 me. The second one is the way Jesus said it, The rule and reign of God is coming into this world. And believe it or not, it's so big that little old you will fit in. Do you hear how the reframing of that might change how we think about our city? How the reframing of that might change how we think about our our friendships, our relationships with other people, our relationships with people who don't know Jesus, our relationship to evil and corruption in the world because it's not just about saving the, the salvation of individual souls it's about God restoring all things and we fit into that because we're part of all things aren't we one of the reasons that I think we've come to understand the gospel through such a self-centered and individualistic lens is because we lack an imagination for the kind of life together that the early church lived, and that Christians are living right now in other parts of the world. You know, in 2022 and 23, we spent a lot of time talking about community. We did series on neighboring and on hospitality. And I just want to tell you that 24 probably isn't going to be a lot different because this is about our life together with God. You know, it was funny. I was talking to somebody who's close to me, and, and I and I, I love her a lot, and I really appreciate her perspective, but um, we, we were talking about the announcement that we made this morning, and one of the things that she said is, well, you know, and, and this isn't anybody from our church. She said, well, you know, they're just going to have to know that this is, at the end of the day, this is just about them and Jesus. And, it, it you know, it doesn't really matter where you are or what you do or whatever. And I, I just think that that perspective is so – sad and unfortunate because this whole thing of the kingdom of god it's actually about our life together you know the passage that we're going to look at this morning it's central to who we are as a vineyard because jesus is talking about a vineyard and what is a vineyard a vineyard is a big grove full of tangly plants with lots of branches that are not easily disentangled we're intertwined in one another's lives and that's actually the way that god designed it to be and and so it's not just about you and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus. Does that make sense? Um, I kind of cringe when I hear folks talk about the pursuit of spiritual things apart from community. Because... Really, you know, if you read the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, there there isn't really much of an imagination in that book for a solitary spiritual life. The whole point of the book from beginning to end is God gathering a people up for himself who would be knit together and, and part of the same unit. And so, you know, one popular sentiment is that we don't need church. You or I could just go out to the woods Or we could sit by the beach and we could experience God. Maybe we could even experience God better than we are right now. That if I could just get away from all those people who are annoying and have bad opinions and they stink and they, I don't like their pets and I don't like their whatever, then I could experience God. And... I think the passage that we're gonna read today says the exact opposite. You know, we struggle to live in community with other people who might rub us the wrong way, and at the end of the day, we don't want to allow ourselves to get into situations where other people's lives can actually apply some real resistance to ours. You know, throughout this process that we've been going through to discern what God's doing with us next, there have been a lot of opportunities where we have opened up the conversation and opened up our lives to people and said, if you do not think this is a good idea, you need to tell us right now. Because that's how discernment works. We don't hear by ourselves. You don't go out to the woods or sit by the beach to make an important decision. You lean in. And you get close to other people because that's where the spirit of God is. You know, in case you hadn't heard, this is an election year. Did you know that? It's okay to laugh. And I thought it might be good to just head this off at the pass and, um, and just talk about politics for just a really brief second. And not my politics – or your politics, but what this is going to mean for us as a community of people, you know, our staff team, we're, we're going to focus in on this. We're going to think really hard about how to lead through this moment together. What this means for us is that it's going to be a challenge for us to try to live together and worship Jesus together. And I think we have to just be able to call that what it is, don't we? Because if we call it what it is, it's going to be a lot easier for us. You know, for the first time in American history, race and religion are not the main things that divide us. It's politics. For as long as surveys have been conducted, race and religion are the two things that keep people apart. And we're moving into an unprecedented time that we have not seen before in our culture where politics compose the main dividing line that keep people apart from one another. The social scientist Robert Putnam Studies civic life and social capital at Harvard uh, Kennedy School of Government. So you know, big, bigwig, political science guy, and he's actually been a part of the uh, the National Association of Evangelicals or something like this. You know, he's been advising churches on these matters for the whole for the whole of his career, and he did some really interesting work, some some studies, kind of in the wake of 2020, and for the first time in American history, as long as Uh, studies have been conducted, people would prefer that their children marry someone of a different race or even a different religion than a different political party. So the issue is not that, you know, people think differently. The issue is that when people disagree on politics, they're being taught to think that other people are are actually bad people, that they're morally deficient, evil people because they think differently about this thing. Um, You know, we're, we're actually experiencing what social scientists are calling the big sort. Have you heard that term? They're calling the social phenomenon the big sort because people are actually deciding where to live, they're deciding what zip code to live in based on their neighbor's political persuasions. Did you know that? For the first time in American history, based on how your neighbors vote, people are moving into different zip codes and actually sorting themselves politically. Isn't that fascinating? And, and the worst thing is that that's actually happening in our churches too. Believe it or not, I know that this is hard to believe, but folks are choosing their churches based on the perceived political persuasions of their pastors. You all look like you believe it. Nobody's shocked. See, a huge part of what makes it hard to live together is politics. And so, you know, I'm just I'm just brushing the surface right now. But we're going to have to talk about it this year because it's not going to be easy to live together if we don't get this out in the open and figure out what it actually looks like for us to be the family of God and hold disagreement among one another. The church should not be a place that reflects the kinds of social statistics like the big sort. But it is. It's a reality that we're living in. And my hope is that Oxford Vineyard could actually demonstrate hope to the Oxford community for a different way of being together in 2024. Do you think we could, I know that we don't know what that means yet, but do you think we could try to commit ourselves to that? Like, as you think and pray about what it means for you to be part of a church and be here, and, you know, could we just commit ourselves to holding tension? Because politics is just the tip of the iceberg. There's all sorts of other things. Health choices, what you eat. You know, I just got these shoes after Christmas, and they have a pretty high arch. And I know that I have friends who would probably think a little bit less of me because my shoes aren't flat enough. Because, you know, the barefoot shoe thing, it's kind of a cult. But I think they're comfortable and I think they look good, so I'm going to keep wearing them. You know, there are a lot of silly things that we sort ourselves over. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to minimize the importance of being together in a city and making political decisions together. That's a big deal. It's the, it's the affairs of 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 the city, of the nation, right? I mean, we it, it, that's important stuff. I'm not downplaying it. What's important also is for us to be able to recognize first and foremost that we are part of the Lord's vineyard, right? And I'm going to continue to um, just sort of lean in. You know, if you feel like that's corny because we're at the vineyard, uh, sorry. I'm going to keep talking about it like that. You know, this church is called a vineyard because in the New Testament, Jesus says that the people of God are supposed to be like a vineyard. It's a picture of a living thing. Lots of symbiotic relationships. Lots of branches. And, of course, someone tends the vineyard. In the passage that we're going to read, we see that there is a vine dresser or a vine grower. Somebody tends the vineyard. And so when we're talking about listening to the Holy Spirit and being sensitive to what God's doing among us, that's what we're talking about is we're talking about letting God tend this vineyard. Does that make sense? And sometimes there need to be, you know, pruning. There, there needs to be pruning. And sometimes there, there need to be grafts, right? We have brothers and sisters who have worshiped with us in the last 10 years, and they've been grafted onto other congregations in other cities. We bless them and we love them. That's an important part of what it means to do this together. So, you know, we have in our DNA as a church this picture of interdependence, reliance on God to make us a healthy community. And if we embrace this, there's a lot of the kingdom of God that we can put on display in our city. And so I just thought it would be great to start the year with this picture of the vineyard. So let's read this passage, and I just got a couple of quick things to say about it. John chapter 15, the first 17 verses of that chapter is where we find Jesus talking about uh, the vineyard. So if you'd like to read along, you can, you can do so. It'll be on the screen. And I'm just going to read it straight through, and then we'll uh, have a couple things to talk about. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that, my, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. So with the rest of our time, I want to talk really quickly about three things. Jesus abiding in us, starting every new thing in prayer, and having friendship with God. Just really quickly, those three things. You and I were made to be like Jesus and do what Jesus does. That's part of the message of the kingdom. The gospel that Jesus preached wasn't fire insurance. What do I mean by that? The gospel that Jesus preached was not a ticket to heaven. It wasn't pray this prayer and hang on tight until you die. The message of the kingdom was a political message. What do I mean by that? I mean it was a message about a new government coming into the earth, the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God being executed on the earth requires our faithfulness and our loyalty. That's what that's about. Our fidelity to the government of God. And so what we see happening here is we were made to be like Jesus and do what Jesus does because we're citizens of his kingdom. And citizens of the kingdom do Jesus-y stuff. Right? So that's why we pray for sick people. That's why we want to posture ourselves as generous people in our community that's why we want to do the work of justice that's why we want to preach the gospel the way that jesus preached it is because there is a new kind of rule that's coming into the world and we are messengers of that rule does that make sense so see the way that we were made to be like jesus is that the 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 world the bible says that the world is under the power of the evil one have you heard that So a lot of times people ask questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? And really the kingdom question would be, why don't bad things happen to good people sometimes? And it's because the kingdom of God is coming into the world. See, a lot of times we get this backwards. God made the world, and it's his world, and he made it good, but it was corrupted. And now the kingdom of God is actually the invading force back into the world that's been occupied by darkness. A lot of times we get this backwards, and we think that the world— is supposed to be good and then there's there's evil that's confusing and it's sort of a stain on a thing that was good the, the issue is that the kingdom of God is the invading force the whole world was under the power of the evil one but the kingdom of God is breaking backwards through time into the present so every time something good happens it's because the kingdom of God is breaking in not the other way around so we don't have to ask those questions like why do big bad things happen to good people because there's a lot of bad our question is, when is the good coming? We watch for it, and we pray for it, and we usher it in. We speak words to see the kingdom come because that's what we love to do. Does that make sense? And that's happening inside of us, too. When Jesus talks about abiding in us, it's actually what's happening inside of you and I, even on a personal level, is that Jesus is transforming us with the kingdom of God. Listen listen to this. This is awesome. Um In his letter, Peter said it like this. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. This is the part I really want you to listen to, though. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust, and you may become participants of the divine nature whoa do you understand what peter's saying that jesus fully god and fully man see we're human beings but he's saying that through jesus we get to participate in the god things that jesus does is that not crazy like when we see jesus doing things that look like god like like healing people's bodies like creative miracles like things like that that's actually what peter is saying is that through union with jesus we get to participate in the part of jesus that's like god i don't see enough of that in my life i don't know about you guys but i mean just thinking about that passage makes me hungry for more of the kingdom in my life i want to be a participant in the divine nature for myself and for the people around me so the second thing we have is starting everything with prayer. I talked with a pastor friend recently who uh, was transitioning into another church. He was taking over a long-established church that had a big staff of people, and the, the outgoing pastor had been there for decades. And when he came on staff, you know, this is a great church, and he'd been in the church for years, and he knew a lot of the people who were on staff. And, you know, it just was a structure that had been created 30 or 40 years ago, and it wasn't, it's, not, it's not really working the way that it was meant to work. And so what that meant for my friend was that he was going to have to look at people that he had known for years and years and say, you know, we're, we're, we're changing your responsibilities. Or we're, we're not sure exactly what your role is going to look like on staff because we're changing some things around. We're going to make some new hires from the inside or from the outside and so on. And you can imagine how hard that is to do with people you've known for a long time. And the, the awesome thing about this passage that we just read is that Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Now, if you look at that passage you just take it at face value, you'd say, well, that's not true. Because I've asked for a lot of things that I didn't get, right? I don't know. Maybe you guys get everything that you, that you ask for. I'm getting a lot of blank stares, so it feels like every time you pray, it just poof, appears in front of you. No? Is that not the case? Christopher has that happen all the time. So, you know, the rest of you see Christopher for a, an impartation. No, look, this is about participating with the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is when you put the kingdom first, when you're living in faithfulness and fidelity to the kingdom of God, when you ask for things, God does them for you. And so my friend who had this church and he's got all this leadership turnover, and that could have been a mess and he could have lost friends and offended people and hurt people and people could have even lost their incomes. You know what happened? He felt compelled to pray for each of those people individually. And instead of doing that all in like his first week on the job, over the course of 9 months, each one of those people came into his office and said, "Pastor, I hate I hate to tell you this, but I've got a new job opportunity and and I'm going to have to move on. I'm going to have to resign." Or Pastor, I hate to tell you this. I love this church, and I've loved serving for all these years, but I think I need to step down from my part-time staff role. One after another, right down the list of people that he'd been praying for, each and every one of them came to him and made the hard decision that he was going to have to make himself. Now, if you and I... Take really seriously that God cares that much about our everyday life. I don't know what kind of situation that you're in, but parenting your kids at work, the teams that you manage in school, the courses that you have to complete, the relationships that you have to balance, that one really difficult professor, whatever it might be. Look, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. My father is glorified by this. And the whole thing about this is that it's about the end is the means. And the means are the end for our life in God. You've heard that saying before, the end justifies the means, right? So, you know, you could cheat, you could do something dishonest, you could whatever, but as long as the the end goal that you get out of it is favorable, then it's all fair game. In the kingdom, it's the exact opposite. The means are the end. Love is our end. If we're people who have read the end of the book, that's what we find out that we're destined for. You and I and, and, and each one of us who are following Jesus, love is our end. Love has to be our means. That's what Jesus is saying. If you ask for things in love, if your priorities are right. And the final thing, I'm trying to get through this really fast is friendship with God. In one of his classic works on the spiritual life, Dallas Willard wrote, Abraham and God were friends. This is a fact made much of in scripture. As we are to be friends of Jesus by immersing ourselves in his work, Jesus even assured us that whoever, as one of his apprentices, gives a little one just a cup of cold water to drink shall not lose his reward. So many of us are in maintenance mode in our relationship with God. And and what I want you to hear from what Jesus has to say about the vineyard is that this is an opportunity for us to work together and do the work that Jesus has for us in the kingdom with no strings attached. Your rate of success, your level of success, the 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 number of people that you lead to faith or the faithfulness of your witness or how you you know whether you feel like you're just killing it in your spiritual life or just the opposite, the truth is that whoever gives a little one just a cup of cold water to drink shall not lose his reward. So you can lean into the work of the kingdom with reckless abandon, knowing that you have nothing to lose. Because once you become a participant in the divine nature, once you're participating in the life of Jesus, it's, it's all gravy. So that's all I've got for us. Worship team, come on up. I got the 40-minute sermon in in 15. I tried. I did my best. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to worship together. And we're going to pray for one another like we do every week because that's what we do here. And during this first song that we sing together, uh, we're going to take communion. So the elements are available on these little tables here just to either side of the stage. So during the first song, we encourage you to come forward and receive them. Communion reminds us that Jesus' death makes it possible for us to be born again into a life that cannot be destroyed or taken away. We take communion in remembrance of Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, his victory. And when we share this meal, we stand in solidarity with the whole arc of the story of Scripture The Passover meal, the last supper, the meals that the risen Jesus shared with his disciples and the wedding feast of the lamb that's to come. So I just encourage you, if you have given your life to follow Jesus, this is an open table. You're welcome to come up and receive uh, the elements. And as you do that, I would just encourage you to uh, reflect together on our life together with God and what it means for us to uh, walk into a new year as a church community, unified around this idea of abiding in Jesus and worshiping him and acknowledging the kingdom of God as the source of our life. And the last thing I'll say is that if you've heard me saying all this and you're in the room and you have never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you're looking around at the world around us and you're saying, this is a mess and there is nobody to follow. Nobody has the right answer, neither party, None of the kingdoms of the world. I'm here to tell you that if your life is in disorder or disarray in any way, Jesus wants to be the king of your life, and he is the only wise king. And so if you feel so compelled, um, we would love to to pray with you in the back. Make your way back there, and and we would love to just lead you through a prayer to make Jesus the king uh, of your life. Amen? Amen?